Find, please, the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, chapter 1. And then we're going to look at the last book of the Bible, chapter 19, Revelation 19. I would call your attention also to the front of the bulletin. Uh, today we talk about incarnation, the, the enfleshment, the embodiment of the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. And that's such a, such a profound and difficult uh, topic that I, it, it's impossible for me to cover in an hour and a half. So I'm going, to, um, I'm going to leave you with that, part of your Advent reading, I hope. But before I, uh, I begin, I want to express uh, our heart as a church. We mourn with uh, the city of Huntsville, uh, the death of Officer Clarity, uh, Billy Clarity, um, who was killed in the line of duty on Friday. All of us, of course, on Friday afternoon, Friday evening when we began to hear that, all of our hearts were broken. And I want to say a word of appreciation to those who are here in our building during the week. It's unusual, I know, to pull up and see cruisers in the parking lot. We, un we understand the kind of world in which we live. I want to read the names of those officers who uh, make sure we gather safely when we do. Joshua Balch, Tyler Baker, Matt Comstock, Gabe Harrell, Jeff Kreider, Ty Milton, Josh Schubert, Ricky McCarver, Robert Glazer, and Jacob Fanning. They, of course, are with us on, during the week and on Sundays, but they're out in the city uh, during the week as well. And uh, we, I want to say as pastor to represent you how much we appreciate them and all of Huntsville's finest and what they mean for us and our city. Thank you. But just so we're clear, Jeff, who's standing in the back today, who usually sits over here, he has clear instructions. If anything ever happens, I'm first. He's going to take care of me first, right? <laughs> right, Jeff? All right. Good. Imagine with me that you've lived all your life in a dungeon. That's all the life you have known. But you get visitors from time to time who come and they bring you word from the outside world. They describe things to you. Sometimes they draw things for you. They draw things like trees and stars and mountains and such. They're just two-dimensional representations of this outside world. But then, then one day you hear a, a sound from the outside. It's on the outside wall of your dungeon. It sounds like Drilling, a drilling that gets louder and louder, and then finally and suddenly this, this light bursts through, through the wall. And you notice this big hole has suddenly appeared in the wall of your dungeon, and this glorious light, this light, the likes of which you've not seen before, comes flooding into the room. And, and you're, when your eyes adjust and you make your way over to the wall and you look outside and you see things that to this point had only been described to you are drawn for you. You see a tree swaying gently in the breeze. You see a sky that is blue beyond your imagination. And, and now you know that's what they were drawing when those visitors would come. That's what they were drawing, and, and that's what they were telling me about. The hole is not big enough for you to see the whole, the entirety of, 
of that outside world, but you see enough to know this is what they were talking about. Alison McGrath used that illustration of the wall in the dungeon to, to talk about the, what Christmas means to us, that, that to this point, we only had on, on pieces of paper, we had the words, we had the descriptions. We call it the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. But then, then suddenly this light bursts into the world and we understand, oh, that's what they were talking about. When, when the Old Testament speaks of the, how deep the Father's love for us is, we say, oh, now we understand. When, when Isaiah 7 speaks of a virgin that would conceive and she will call his name Emmanuel, now we understand it's not just words on paper. Or Micah 5 says, little Bethlehem, from you will come a ruler. Now we understand. If we could take that analogy maybe just one step further, what if while you're standing there in the hole looking out into that new world, a, new, a world new to you, that Maybe it's what if someone hands you a newborn in through that hole and that newborn takes up his life in the dungeon, the only place you've ever known. And, and as he grows, he teaches you about that dungeon and how you can have life at its best, even, even in a place like that. And he speaks then with clarity and confidence and authority about the world outside and beckons you that one day uh, you would join him there. Maybe, that, maybe Christmas is even a little more like, like that. Well, let's tell the story quickly. It's not, not an analogy, but the real deal, the real story. It begins before there was time, when there was nothing this side of heaven, when there was God. And there is one God, let's be clear, the Shema, the Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. There is one God, and yet he eternally exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, God the Son, the second, and God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Today we talk about the second person of the Trinity, God the Son becoming embodied, enfleshed, incarnate in the person of Jesus. Two words, theological words you need to understand. Pre-existent and co-eternal. Pre-existent, meaning before there was the first Christmas, before there was Mary and Joseph, before there was a manger, God the Son always is. Co-eternal, meaning he always has been God. There always has been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. There is not a time when he was not. Colossians 1, uh, 7, about that reads, he is about the Son, he is before all things. He always is. And then there was a moment when, when God wanted to express love. And, and so knowing the risk he was taking, he created the universe. He created our planet with its flora and its fauna. And he created, he breathed life into humankind just so he could love us. But then deep into that story, God knew that things were not good for us as humans. And we were in trouble. And so a decision was made, this mystic, mystical, mysterious decision and God decided to become flesh and, and walk among us, that that would be the only way. And so it was decided that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, would, would be implanted, as it were, into the womb of a teenage virgin. And that's what we celebrate, this light flooding into the room of this co-eternal, pre-existent Son of God who becomes embodied, enfleshed. In Jesus, and look at John. This is how God inspired John to tell that story. John 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word with a capital W. That's the word Logos. We're going to come back to that. 
And the Logos was with God, and the Logos, the Word, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, because we're talking about that word logos or word, look at Revelation 19 and verse 13, speaking of the resurrected and ascended Jesus. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word, the logos of God. There's an NPR radio show uh, titled Away With Words that I love uh, listening to, and they talk about they talk about rare and interesting words. Sometimes people will call in and they'll say, my granddaddy used to use this phrase or this word, and what does that mean? And the hosts will go back to the, the beginnings and tell them the meaning of those words that once had meaning among people. Everybody knew what it meant, but not anymore. There are words that no longer have the same meaning commonly as they used to do, and one of them is that word, word, logos in Greek. When John mentioned it, he didn't explain it. He didn't introduce it, meaning that he assumed everybody knew he was, what he was talking about. But now we have, to, we have to think about that. What did he mean by the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh? Word was a philosophical term, and even commoners who didn't understand philosophy would have heard of it. it as best I can understand it, it means reason or rationale. As if John were saying, you know, the philosophers talk about the rationale for all that is, the reason behind our universe. Well, he has a name, and his name is Jesus. And then we come to the, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, speaking of the resurrected and ascended Jesus. And he says, and his blood is, his, his robe is dipped in blood, and he is the, he is called the Word of God. Meaning that in, in John's day, everybody knew this is the, the rationale behind all that is has become embodied or enfleshed in the person of, of Jesus. In him was life, John said. The, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and in him was life. And he uses another interesting word there. There are two Greek words for life. One of them is bios, from which we get the word biography or biology. And, and so, you know, there's germination and pollination in plants, and there's, you know, there are brain waves and breath in animals and humans but that's not the word he uses. He doesn't use bios. He says, he uses zoe. So there's life. And then there's life. And zoe is life. Life at its best. Life with a purpose. Life with direction and meaning. And he says, and, and in Jesus, in this life that he lived with such purpose and compassion and the life that he offers to us all, in that life there is light for all humankind. Light. In the Bible, darkness represents three things, evil, pain, and confusion. There's light for evil, and there is evil. And if there's somebody here for whom evil, over whom evil has a hold, maybe it's, maybe it's a, the demon of addiction. There is hope. There is a, a light in the darkness. For those of you who are hurting, and I know there are those of you who are hurting, for whom there will be an empty chair at the table this year. Just like Miss Kristen was talking about that night light in the, in the dark room, there's, there's light even in the darkness of hurt. And then there's confusion about 
What is truth? Ignorance, confusion. They, from, you know, from Oprah to Deepak Chopra to ancestors to astrology to, spiritu- to spirituality and Scientology and even the fact that there are so many different Christian denominations, even that is confusing. But there is a lighthouse on the sea of this of of spiritual confusion, and his name is Jesus, and he says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And for all the other things we don't understand, we know that he is the, he is the answer to our most profound questions. In him was life, and the life was the light of humankind. And this light, by the way, doesn't go out after our last breath on earth. You've heard stories of, um, of near-death experiences, you know, when people's hearts stopped beating and after some time they were revived and they often come back and come back, if you will, and they tell stories about what they experienced. A common theme is this light, this bright and warm and inviting light to which they feel drawn. Interestingly, though, um, it's Christians and non-Christians and people who aren't anything. They all seem to, not all, but lots of them seem to feel drawn to this light. And so some people have said, see, look, it means we all go to the same place. Maybe, maybe not. Louis Drummond, one of my seminary professors, had an interesting insight. He said, you know, John 5 and and 2 Corinthians 5 both say that we will stand before Jesus to be judged. So it makes sense that everybody upon death would, would, would see this light. And because he is love, would be drawn to this light. But Jesus said in Matthew 25 that there will be people who will stand before him to whom he will say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. But then there will be some who will be invited into this this eternal and wonderful. Heaven is so wonderful, the biblical writers just didn't have enough words. And so one of the words is, is light. No more night. No more pain. No more fear, never crying again. All praises to the great I am. We will live in the light. We will live in the light of the risen Lamb. Revelation 22. There will be no more night, and you won't need lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Revelation 21, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. In the 1920s, Leo Lambert was was looking around in Tennessee. He he was interested in, um, in caves. 
And he found this cave uh, that he went into, spent 17 hours, he and the other spelunkers. And they, um, he was so fascinated by what he found that he got his wife and went back into the cave with her. And he showed her this waterfall. And he said to his wife, these falls are so beautiful. I'm going to name these falls for you, Ruby. And he did. And if you're from the south, you've seen Ruby's name on barns uh, everywhere you drive. Our son Landon and I went down the elevator to the, into that cave one day. He was not quite four. And, um, and we got off with those other amateur spelunkers. We walked those, that windy path until we finally reached the end of the path led by a guide. And when we got there, we could hear the falls in the distance. And then she did a cruel thing. She turned off the lights. There ain't no dark like the dark of a cave. And we stood there in that cold, clammy, creepy, misty, musty, deep, damp, can't see your hand in front of your eyes, darkness. And Landon, who was almost four, scooted up real close to me. And then, as suddenly as she had turned it out, she turned on the light. This glorious, beautiful illumination of Ruby Falls. Are you living in, in darkness, whether it's evil or, or pain or just confusion about what is truth? Christmas is the story of, of light. And you have been invited into that light, 2 Peter 2.19. He has drawn us into the light. And some of you know what that means. And you felt your heart pounding because you too are being drawn. You felt the stirring of your spirit because you too are being drawn into that light. Would you come to Jesus, would you? Oh, gospel hymn, out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come into thy freedom gladness and light. Jesus, I come to Thee. Somebody in this room, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a, I can't read crystal balls. I just know that with as many people as are in this room and as many people are watching by television and live stream, that there's somebody standing in the darkness. Would you come? Would you come to the light?